thankful you're here. I'm thankful every time you show up. It's a blessing. If you're a first-time visitor, uh, in, the, in the sermon, in the, um, in the weekly bulletin, we have sermon notes in here. You can follow along with the sermon. Uh, we have a connection card in here. And we would love to get to know your name. I'd love to write you a thank you card for coming. And that helps us get to know your family a little bit. So we're excited about that. Uh, also, after service, if you want to adopt a child for Christmas from, from a local orphanage, uh, you can do that right in the Life Center. I was, as a pastor, I was so happy. Last week, we, we, we had the number of kids we thought a church our size could sponsor, and they, they, ran, out of, they ran out of names in like two minutes. And uh, so they have more. If you want to adopt a, adopt a child, that, that's awesome. Do that. Let's get ready to open God's Word. Uh, let's just ask God to help us. Lord, we're so thankful for your Word. We believe your Bible is your Word to us, and it contains the blueprint for life. And all we have to do is study it and learn it and live it out, and it will produce incredible results in our lives. We, we, we're thankful for your word. We honor your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm finishing up a series today called The Boundary Stones of Our Faith, and we've been talking about how, how uh, God has given us spiritual boundary stones that serve as markers in our lives. And and uh, when we follow God's spiritual boundary stones and we stay within those markers in our lives, it really produces incredible fruit in our lives. And if we get outside of God's spiritual boundary markers, it produces problems in our lives. And, you know, most of the problems that we have are self-inflicted. That we've done something, we got outside of God's best plan for our lives, it doesn't mean that God won't forgive us. It doesn't mean we can't make things right, but it does produce negative consequences in our lives. So if we stay in, in the spiritual boundary markers that God has for us, it really, it really will help us. And this morning, I'm going to finish by really talking about one of, the, one of the most important boundary stones that's essential for the Christian life, and that's the boundary stone of faith, the boundary stone of faith. And, and the Bible tells us that as... as as we continue in, in our Christian life, that he wants our faith to grow to the point where it overflows into every area of our lives. We have a lot of different areas of our life. We have a spiritual part of our life. We have family. We have careers. We have our personal health. We have so many things. And God wants our faith to flow in, in over into the other areas of our life. Think about it. When you gave your life to Jesus, that took faith. You put your faith in Jesus. We call that saving faith, or the faith that Jesus justified our sins. But as we continue to grow, God wants our faith to grow in other areas as well. And the, the truth is that if, if, I, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us, we have probably a lot of faith in some areas and probably not so much faith in other areas. I think that's true. And so think about we can grow our faith where it overflows and, it, and it's solid in every, in every area of, of our life. I mean, think about it. He wants us to have faith in our finances. He wants us to trust him in our finances. And, and you know, his, the Bible says you bring God the first tenth and then he will bless the 90 and the 90 will be enough uh, to cover all your needs. That's an incredible blessing. Um, many people struggle with that. He wants us to have faith that he can heal our bodies. He wants us to have faith that our lost family members can come to know Jesus Christ 
He wants us to have faith that God can use us in our careers. And so really in every area uh, of our life. And what I want to show you from the Bible this morning, I'm going to show you several things. I'm going to talk about faith and I'm going to give you a practical example of it in the Bible. But it's quite interesting. Uh, Faith is such an important ingredient in our lives that God says faith is a requirement to live a righteous life. That you can't live a righteous life. Righteous means just to be in right standing with God. That you can't be in right standing with God if you don't have faith. That's, that's pretty incredible. Let's look at this. I'm going to read four passages real quick. And it says the same thing four times. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 through 4, it says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he has puffed up. His desires are not upright. But look at this. But the righteous will live by faith. Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Galatians 3.11, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. One more, Hebrews 10.38, it says, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So, four times it says that the righteous will live by faith, and the reason that faith is so important in living a righteous life is because you can't obey God if you don't have faith. God will ask you to do certain things. And he starts off asking you to do small things, but if your faith never grows, you will will inadvertently be disobedient to God because he'll ask you to do something and you don't have the faith or the trust to go out and do that. So faith is required to live a righteous life because if we don't develop our faith, we will never attempt the things that God wants us to attempt. And so it's very, very important in our lives. And we know that all of us in here, God has specific things that he wants us to do, incredible things. And, you know, if you would have asked Pastor Jose when he was a 20-year-old man if, if he could do all the things that God has had him do so far, he would tell you no because his faith wasn't there. He started with a little bit. And he struggled for many years just to get his first church going. And then after that going, his faith kept building. And and when our faith continues to build, we will step out and take some risk for the Lord. How many know that if you're going to do great things, really anywhere in life, there's some risk involved? There's some risk involved. But faith says, I believe that God's word is true and he will help me achieve what he's asked me to do. And so the risk is really just just believing and trusting in God, and trusting in God. So let's look at this. What is faith? Let's give a definition of faith real quick. And Hebrews 11.1 just says this, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So faith is believing in the spiritual realm for something that God has told you is going to happen in the natural realm, but it hasn't happened yet. That, is, that, is that clear? So you're clear as mud, Pastor. Okay. But so if God tells you something, you get a, you get a seed, a promise from God. He tells you, I'm going to do something. I'm going to save that child. 
I'm going to reach this person. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to use you to start this ministry. Whatever it is. So that's the, that's the title deed, the spiritual title deed to God doing something. But in the natural realm, it does not look like it's ever going to happen. In the natural realm, it, it does not look like that is possible. Faith believes in the spiritual realm for something to, for the fruit of something that's going to take place in the natural realm before it happens. Anyone can believe after they receive a miracle. Anyone can believe after the fact. Very few believe during the process. Because here's the thing. The process may be a long time. And you notice how in our society we want everything fast? We have microwave meals. We have, have drive through things. We have Speedos. I mean, we have... I don't have them, but some people do. But what I'm saying is everything is about speed and quickness. Faith is not about speed. It's not about your timetable. Faith is about trusting God and getting up every day and working to see the fulfillment of what God has promised in your life. If you read the Bible, most of the men and women of God, they, they travailed for years and months to see the fruit of God in their life. I mean, think about this, Abraham. Abraham, it says, believe God when he said, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham didn't have a son until he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Faith is believing God when in the natural, in the natural, their bodies were dead. Not like realistically dead, but you know the parts that were dead that I'm talking about, right? Like, that's done, okay? That's done, okay? But he believed God. He believed God. Can you believe, can you believe God for something in your life that he's promised you that it doesn't look like it's a reality or a possibility? That's what faith is. Faith believes. Faith is per persistent. Faith is consistent. Faith will cause you to fast and pray and to seek the throne of God until you see that thing revealed. It's a beautiful thing. Noah, Noah, God tells Noah to build an ark. And I don't know if you've, seen the, if you've ever seen the lifeline dimensions of an ark. It's massive. I want you to build this boat because I'm going to flood the earth. And they'd never seen rain before. Now that, that takes a little bit of faith. Aren't you glad that God didn't ask you to do it? I mean, I'm glad God asked Noah, right? And it takes him 100 years to build this ark. And him and his boys are out there building this ark. And people think they're just crazy until the day that God opened up the floodgates of heaven and water started, started pouring out. Think about the children of Israel. They come to Jericho, and God says, I want you to march around Jericho once a day. And on the last day, I want you to march around seven times. I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to talk because y'all are, con are you know, consistently critical. I, just, I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to march around. And they marched every day around, went back. Every on the last day, they marched seven times, gave a shout, and the walls fell down. They did something before they saw the fruit. If you want God to use you and to build your faith, you have to be able to do something for an extended period of time and trust God is going, to do, is going to bring that about before you see the result. Anyone can jump on the bandwagon. 
but, it, but it, 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 it takes that. It's just an incredible thing. That's what faith is. And uh, let's be even, even more clear. There's three essential ingredients of faith. And you just want to be clear. We're, we're going back to the basics on faith because I feel like a lot of Christians don't know the basics of faith uh, because I get so many people that come to me complaining and all this and that and you know, I found out that they haven't prayed, they haven't fasted, they haven't really sought God. And, and faith isn't just God giving you something. There's your part in faith. God's part is to come through. Your part is to do what He's asked you to do, just to believe and persevere. Three things about faith is that faith believes, faith speaks, and faith acts. Those three things, that's, that's, that's what faith is. Or you could say that faith Faith is heart belief, faith is mouth confession, and faith is life action. So faith is believing in your heart, and the Bible says, Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you believe, like when you're saying things out of your mouth, you know, we, we can, oh, I'm so sorry for, that I said that. The, the, the bad thing is, if you know the Bible is, what they said just came out of their heart. So that's what's in their heart, you know? So somebody's very critical of you, just imagine what it's like in their heart. Come on now. See, we need to get delivered from all that junk in our heart. That's why we got to keep our, our heart, our heart, we got to keep it pure and clean. So faith is believing in your heart when no one else believes. Everyone else can think you've lost your, your mind. Faith believes. And, and we, church, we have to believe. I mean, I, you know, we, we read all the statistics, you know, churches less attended, you know, the culture and all this. But I believe that God still wants to do a revival in our lives. I believe God want, is looking for churches to pour His Spirit out on because His Spirit is what changes us. Church buildings do not change us. Attendance does not change us. When we get into our Word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, that's what begins to change us. So faith is heart belief. Faith is mouth confession. You get your heart full of faith. It begins to come out of your mouth. And then faith ultimately is when you act on something. That's a little bit risky. That is what, is what faith is all about. And uh, I'm, I'm going to, I have some more scripture on your notes that I'm going to skip for the sake of time. But see, this, this is this, the problem I think sometimes we have when, when we go to church, when we read the Bible, when we hear something, we think that it's easy. We think that it's easy. It's not. Faith is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And so you can tell me, Pastor, I got it. You can let us out early to go home and watch some football or eat or whatever. I got it. I got all I need. I got all the church any day. Faith believes, faith speaks, faith acts. If it were that easy, then everyone in church would be doing it. It's simple, but it's not easy. All the, all the principles of God's Word are very simple, but sometimes they're hard to do because we're, we're flawed. So I want to read a story to you today, and it's a story of the disciples and uh, in, th in this story, Jesus has just multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men, plus all the boys, girls, and women's. Or as Pastor Joe says, Jesus multiplied five chapate and two tilapia, okay? Chapate's bread, so uh, in any form. So he, Jesus, in Matthew 14, 22 to 31, I'm going to read this story. And what has just happened is Jesus has just multiplied food for probably 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves of bread, small loaves, and two fish. An incredible story.
But I want to pick up after this. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When, he, when, the, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Uh, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So, you know, Peter, Peter needs to be get, given a lot of credit because he's the only one that got out of the boat, right? But we know, we know if you have boys, you know how boys give each other a hard time. You know how men give each other a hard time. And so, you know, no one said anything at that moment. But you know a few days later, a few weeks later at the campfire, you know Peter and, I mean, James and Andrew and Simon, you know they acted Peter out, right? Lord, tell me to come. You know, and they're acting out all the wind and the waves and him sinking and all that. But he's the only one that got out of the boat. I find it very interesting today that some of the most critical people I know, they haven't done anything. Like, they haven't done anything, so they don't feel good about themselves, so they just want everyone else to feel bad about themselves too. Hey, let's do something. Let's do something. Let's, you know, Peter did something, but he came up a little bit short. He walked on the water, but he began to sink, and Jesus picked him up. And that, when we're living, acting on our faith, sometimes we're going to come up a little bit short. And that's okay, because Jesus is there to pick us up and, and help us to keep going. But this story takes us into a real-life situation that reveals some of the reasons why it's difficult to walk by faith in the real world. See, the disciples had been with Jesus every day for three years, and they still came up short. So you and I are going to come up short sometimes, but it helps to know, why do we come up short? What are the factors? And so we have a real-life story of the disciples going going out, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, they're stuck in a storm, and, uh, you know, they're, they're scared, they're tired. Jesus comes walking down the water, and they, they think it's a ghost, and, I mean, they just have a faith collapse, and Jesus has to go out there and save them. And so let's look at this. The first thing that I noticed is that the disciples were physically exhausted. They were physically exhausted. I, I did the breakdown of this story. Here's how it went. Jesus probably multiplied the, the loaves and the fish probably early afternoon, three or four. Then he dismisses the disciples to go out across the Sea of Galilee. Then he dismisses the crowd. It says in the evening, Jesus went up by himself to pray. And the story tells us that Jesus went out on the water in the fourth watch of the night. There were four watches. The, the Jewish nation divided four watches in the night. So the first watch would have been from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second one was 9 to 12 a.m. The third was 12 to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch was 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. 
So sometimes between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus went out there after they had been rowing without getting anywhere for 9 to 10 hours. I mean, they're out there rowing in a storm. And there's, there's no motorized boats. They're physically rowing for 9 to 10 hours with waves coming over the boat, with wind in their face. And so obviously, uh, you know, they were probably to the point of almost hallucinating. And, and of course, they see Jesus walking out to them on the boat. And I think this is very important to us because, you know, when we're in a storm of life, when we're getting beat down and we need faith, we usually just haven't got slept 10 hours. You know how when life starts caving in on you, you have a hard time sleeping, even if you could sleep, you have a hard time sleeping, and, and, and all these things are going on in your life, and you, you, your physical body starts to get worn down emotionally, uh, physically, spiritually, mentally. And uh, this, is where, this, is, this is where they were, at, you know, when, 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 when life began to... Uh, to, to just collapse it on them. They were physically, emotionally, and mentally drained. And again, if your faith requires you to persevere for a number of months or perhaps years to get to where God wants you to get to, to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, during that period, you're going to get tired and you're going to feel like quitting. And so faith perseveres even when our physical, mental, and emotional uh, bodies are, 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 are disrupted or tired. The second thing is, is that the disciples were in a dangerous position. They were vulnerable. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been out on the water when there was a storm. Um, I, uh, technically, I am an expert in this. Uh, my dad tried to kill me multiple times on the water. You know, my dad's this big outdoorsman, had an outdoorsman show no lie, I, I've, I've been marooned on an island while the storm was there because our boat sank. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I've, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent when, when I've been with my dad on a boat. Uh, one time, we were living in Florida, and my dad said, uh, he, they, all these grandiose ideas, he's like, man, hey, this friend of mine, this guy's like a, a, a millionaire, and he has this big yacht, and we're going to go 70 miles off the coast of Florida and go fishing for tuna. Would you like to go? And I was like, well, let me think about it. He's like, he's like no, this boat's big. You know, he was trying to pump me up. It has air conditioners. It has a kitchen. You know, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, what can go wrong? What, what can go wrong? I saw, I, I made him show me a picture of the boat. I mean, it was a 50-foot yacht. It was massive. And so I'm like, sure. So us and six guys, we go on this boat, 70 miles out there, man. Slept through the night, got up. We fished, we caught some fish, and the owner of the boat, he, he, I, we woke up, he was a little bit mad, and he's like, man, I mean, this is, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars this boat costs, there's a lot of money, and he had been having trouble with the engine, and they would come out and say they fixed it, and it, and, and it wouldn't work, and so we, we got up there, and he's hollering at the boat, he's hollering at the people, and he, he wasn't a Christian, and so he was saying all kinds of things, and He's like, you know what? They keep telling me they're going to fix this engine. They're going to fix it this time because I'm going to blow it up. And he turns the good engine off, and he puts the, the engine that's struggling on full throttle. And that thing's smoking, and, and you hear things, and guys are like, Bob, stop. The boat's going to catch on fire. Oh, this engine is done. And he, so he does all that. So now we have one engine, 
475 miles off the coast of Florida. So we caught fish. So it's time to go in. He's like, yeah, the bad news is it's going to take us a long time to get in because we only have one engine. I wish Bob would have thought about that and maybe burned it up at the marina or something, you know. But he didn't. That's not what Bob did. And so we start going, and we look up, and between us and, and land, there's this massive storm. I mean, it's black as far as you can see, and we're hearing the radio reports of how bad the storm is. And um, so he just turns the boat. And so says, Bob, what are you doing? He's like, I am not going into that. He's like, well, you have us pointed toward Cuba. He said, so be it. I am not driving into that storm. And so we're, anyway, we're out there driving uh, into Cuba. Finally, we talked him into it, went through a huge storm uh, on the way back. But my, my point is, is, is that these guys were in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. I mean, water's coming over the boat. They can't make progress, you know, and they, they think that things, you know, are, are, not, are not going too well. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, actually, Peter may have been the smartest disciple because he wanted out of the boat. I want to be with Jesus. These cats are about to go down. I want to be with Jesus. So that's, that's a new way to think about it. But, but and Peter was doing well, but remember, when he, it says when he felt the wind. You know, when he felt, the, when he felt it. That's the problem with faith. Faith has to deny our feelings because our feelings lie to us. Why I don't feel like going to church. Why I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like going to small group. I don't feel. You notice that we let our feelings affect us in the spiritual realm. We don't feel like going to work, but we go to work, right? Because we like to eat, right? It, 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 it's the spiritual things that are more important that we end up letting, letting go on us. And so, but the, the, the danger here is that our fear starts to overwhelm our faith. And I have people come to me sometimes and they say, Pastor, I'm about to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything. And I, so I start talking to them and I, I, I'm, you know, start reading scripture to them. No, no, no. E even if you lose everything, God can restore everything. Let's look at Job. And, but sometimes I try to start building on someone's faith and I notice they don't even have a foundation of faith to build upon. They were just coasting through. And, and, and so we have to be very careful. They, so they were physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. And they were in a dangerous position. But here's the funny, here's even something a little bit more funny, is that the circumstances of life kept getting worse. Do you notice that when you're going through a bad time in life, like everything just piles on? Come on. I mean, let, let's go to finances for a little bit. Everyone struggles financially. If you're having a bad financial time, how come just at that time your child wrecks a car your engine's not working. Your air conditioner's broken and it's June. I mean, it just piles on. Please tell me you've been piled upon. If not, I'm going to pray for you this week. God, just pile it on them. Increase their faith. It just begins to pile on, and so their circumstances just, just keep getting worse. It's hour after hour after hour. The storm isn't letting up. The wind's not dying down. They're not getting anywhere. They're bailing out the boat. You know, you know that they were mad at each other, right? Like, you know that when you're on a boat with, with you know, 12 guys and for nine hours and you're about to sink, they're not happy with each other. You know, there's a, I mean, so everything is just, just continues uh, to get worse. But you know what this story reveals? Because the same thing happens to us. We get beat down emotionally, physically, spiritually. 
uh, you know, we have circumstances that don't go our way. We're vulnerable. Things, it looks dangerous. Circumstances keep getting worse. But all those things we've mentioned so far, they weren't the problem. Jesus tells them at the end of the story what the problem is. He says, the problem is that your faith is too small. Now, that's the whole problem. And, and that, that's my problem. That's your problem. Whenever we get down and get depressed and we want to give up, we want to quit, the problem is not the things that are going on around us. The problem is our faith level. That's the problem. I, I want to show you something, and I'm, I'm going to try to show you a principle that I want you to listen because you're probably going to think I'm crazy in the beginning, but I'm, I'm going to show you something that I think is quite clear. Uh, in Matthew chapter 17, it's a story. Uh, a father brings a demon-possessed boy to the disciples to heal. And they try, but they can't, they can't, they can't cure the boy. They can't cast the, the demon out. And so they, they, the guy brings him to Jesus, the father, and says, you know, your son, your disciples tried to, but they couldn't. And Jesus said, bring the boy to me, and he, he took care of the evil spirit. And so a little bit later, the disciples came to Jesus and said, how come we weren't able to do it, but you were? And you know what Jesus says? He says, because your faith is too small. And he, but he goes on and he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed of all the garden plants, but can grow to be the largest of all the plant seeds. A mustard seed, it was the smallest seed, but it could, it could grow to where birds could sit on it. It was as big. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, go into the sea, and it would, it would, it would obey you. Now, here's what we've done in church. In church, we've told people that you just need a mustard seed of faith. To, to throw a mountain into a sea. And I, I just, I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. Here's what Jesus was, I, here is what I think Jesus meant. He said, he, he talked about the mustard seed because it had the potential to grow to be the biggest garden plant. And I think what Jesus was saying is, man, if you have a mustard seed of faith, that mustard seed of faith in you can grow. And when it reaches its potential, you, your faith will be insurmountable and you'll be able to do anything. Because here's the truth. Small faith produces small victories, and large faith produces large victories. I mean, it's just the bottom line. If, if um, let, me try to, let me try to think of a, of, of a good example here. Uh, I, I guess, you know, the, the, the best thing is, is um, small faith can do small things, and it takes big faith to do big things. And so, I mean, think about this. If if you don't believe that God is a healer physically, or if you have enough faith to believe for a common cold to be healed, you probably are not in a position to pray for someone with cancer. Now, if you've prayed for people in different things, and you've seen God work, and you, you know, and you have the faith, then you can do that. And, and so, um, the, the point of, of what I'm trying to say is I think, I think we get in trouble in life because the problems we're facing are larger than our faith. And all of us, all of us have a mustard seed of faith within us. The question is, are we doing something to cause that faith to grow so we can do bigger and larger things for God? It's like, I'm, let me just, let me just, I'll give you an example right now. The, if you put the majority of people in Pastor Joseph's situation in Nepal and India, 
they wouldn't be successful because their faith isn't there. God has been building Pastor Joseph's faith now for 30 years, okay? And so small faith can do small things, and, and large faith does uh, large things. Let's move on this morning. So it's faith. Faith is heart belief. Faith is mouth confession. So faith, you have to have it in your heart. You have to begin to speak it. Church, we have your mouth, your, your, your speech is the most powerful thing you have. Quit being critical. Quit being hard on people. Quit talking down to your loved ones. And let life start coming out of your mouth. I mean, if, you're, if your career is bad, if your job's not good, start speaking life over that job. If you need a better job, start speaking to those things. Speak life. Speak faith uh, into those areas. So heart belief, mouth infection, and then life action. And so where I want to get today is, I know that there's probably a lot of people in here today, and I know in this upcoming year, I want God to, to, to use me to do greater things. I want God to use this church to do greater things than we've done in the past. And really, God can only use you according to your level of faith. I just want you to think about it. Sometimes people say, well, why, do, why does God use them? Why does God use her? Why does God use him? Sometimes it's because they're the only one that obeys. You heard about this pastor one time. There was this area that no church had ever made it. And God asked this guy, uh, this, this guy said, I want you to go and I want you to start a church in that area. And so he was praying about it. He knew it was a tough area. So he went and talked to three of his spiritual advisors. And they all told him not to do it. I wouldn't do that. That's very difficult. No church has ever made it there. And um, so this young man went to the Lord and said, God, I, I don't know what to do. All of my spiritual advisors told me not to do it. But I feel like you're telling me to do it. And God spoke to him. True story. God said, son, I've asked four people to go start this church. Why did you go talk to one, two, and three? So the question is, is he went and did it. So he had the faith to do it. The other three said, no, that doesn't look so good. That looks like a dangerous proposal. And so again, God can only use us according to our faith, and he wants to use us. And the next thing is this, is that our personal lives will go a whole lot better if our faith grows. If our faith grows, uh, your marriage will be better. See, a lot of the stress in your marriage is because of lack of faith in other areas. That, that, that is for somebody here today. I don't know who. That, 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 what I just said is, that's not on my notes, that's for someone today. Your marriage is struggling because your faith. Grow your faith, grow your marriage, okay? And, and, and in every area of our life. So I just want to ask this morning, if you're here this morning, the band can come up. If, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, Terry, I... You know, I, I realized this morning that the righteous live by faith. That if I want to live, be a righteous man or woman, then I have to grow my faith. And maybe, maybe you feel God wants you to do something that you just haven't stretched your faith into yet. Maybe you're going through a situation right now that's difficult. And I want to say this. You can, you can, you can overcome any situation in your life by growing your faith. Your faith gets bigger then the problem, you just go, you go over the problem. So would you stand with me? And I just, 
if you close your eyes just for a minute, and I just, I just want to ask, how many people believe that this Word was for them this morning? You're going through something, you, just, you, you need to increase your faith? Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray right now for all the hands raised, God. Lord, that they have faith within them, but I pray the potential for their faith is being realized, God. Lord, I pray that you're growing their faith and their trust in you. And God, I pray you're going to use these men and women to do incredible things for you. God, things that affect people's lives. God, I just know that if our faith is growing and strong, God, it helps us in every area of our life. So God, I just pray that you're increasing the faith and all these with their hands raised. God, increase their faith. God, help them to focus on you and not the wind and the waves. God, help them to focus on you and not the circumstances and situations around them that aren't going well. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit is just increasing faith in our auditorium. God, increase our faith to do great things, Lord God. Lord, we want to reach our families. We want to reach our communities. God, we want to reach the world. But God, we have to first start with ourselves, God. God, increase our faith as a church, Lord. Just to believe you, to trust you in, in any and every situation. In Jesus' name. I want to ask one more question.